Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the show about Titanic. This is your host Edward and today we're going to be talking to Stephen Payne who is the lead designer or was the lead designer of the Queen Mary 2 when it was being built. So let's get this interview started. Stephen, welcome to the show about Titanic. It is fantastic. I mean, fantastic to have someone like you on the show. Hello, I'm very pleased to be here. So, Stephen, can you go and tell me a little bit about yourself and all your titles? Well, my name is Stephen Payne, and I'm a naval architect. And my titles are really about the work that I do in building ships. The first one, the OBE. I received from Her Majesty the Queen, and it's the um, officer of the British Empire. And she gave me that for designing the Queen Mary II and bringing it into service without any problems. So that's the OBE. And then the Merchant Navy Medal, NMM, the Merchant Navy Association They nominate a number of people each year to get them aboard. And they also gave me that uh, title again for my work with Queen Mary II. And then RDI is Royal Designer for Industry. And that's to recognize the work I've done, not only on Queen Mary II, but on many other ships. And the late Prince Philip, he was part of the committee that gave me that award. And then the other things after my name, the F-R-E-N-G, Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and F-RENA, Fellow of the Royal Institution of Naval Architects, they are really clubs that when you're a professional person, you can join. Sometimes you're invited to join, like the Royal Academy of Engineering, other ones like the Royal Institution of Naval Architects, anybody can join that's got an interest. But um, they are my professional titles that I use to say I'm a qualified naval architect. Okay, Stephen, that is extremely interesting. So let's talk about the Queen Mary II. Can you describe the timeline and the design and the construction? Wow, that's a lot of words for the Queen Mary II. Right. For me, the story of Queen Mary II began when I was five years old and I came home from school, switched on the television, and we only had a black and white television in those days, very poor quality. And I watched the British children's program, Blue Peter. And on that program, the presenters were going to... um, on the Queen Elizabeth from Cherbourg to Southampton. And they went on the bridge, they went around into the public spaces, into the galley, which is the kitchen. And it so excited me seeing this great big ship and the way it worked. 
that I said to my mum and dad that when I grew up, I wanted to design and build a ship that would be bigger and better than the Queen Elizabeth. So what did your parents think when you told them, I want to be a ship designer? Did your mum and dad say, ha ha, not happening? Or did they say, yes, yes? (laughs) Well, no, they encouraged me. And certainly my school, when I went to secondary school in 1971, and I started doing all the the subjects, the mathematics and the physics and everything, I had a lot of encouragement from my school. And I was very lucky that I became a naval architect. I went to the University of Southampton and did my degree, and I qualified. And I was given the job in 1998 to design the Queen Mary II. So the design, starting from a blank sheet of paper, drawing the first line on the piece of paper, took me about two years to develop the design of the ship. Two years? I mean, you could just draw a boat in like two seconds. No, I was on my own. and I had to do a lot of investigations, do a lot of calculations. And after the two years, I took my design to Cunard and showed them, and they were very happy with it. So then I had to talk to a number of shipyards and eventually chose the shipyard in France at Saint-Nazaire, and that's where we built the ship. So 50,000 tonnes of steel was built up to produce Queen Mary II, and she actually floated on the 21st of March 2003, and then we had to put the 1,310 passenger cabins on board and all the crew cabins, had to decorate all the public rooms, test the engines. And so we took the ship to sea in September and November of 2003 to test everything. And then towards the end of December, just before Christmas, the ship was finished and we gave the ship to Cunard. And then in January, of 2004, the ship entered service after Her Majesty the Queen had named her Queen Mary II. And she's been sailing um, since then very successfully. And in fact, because of the COVID situation, she's been 18 months without sailing, but she's actually going to be sailing on her first trips this month. And I'm sailing on her again in December, and I shall be sailing from Southampton to New York on on board again. So how did the Titanic impact the design of the Queen Mary II? Well, there's very little from the Titanic in the Queen Mary II, very little. We, We have bulkheads, but everything has changed so much since the Titanic. But... There is a very, very big connection with the Titanic. Not in the structure of the ship or the way the ship looks, but I'll I'll explain. In 1997, before Carnival bought Cunard, the company 
wasn't doing particularly well. The number of people traveling on the Queen Elizabeth II, the predecessor to the Queen Mary II, was becoming less and less. And then James Cameron had his film Titanic. So that came out in 1997. And so many people watched that film and said, oh, I really like the idea of going across the Atlantic on a big ship. So what ship can I go on? And of course, the only one doing the transatlantic crossing was the Queen Elizabeth II. And so very quickly, the number of passengers traveling on the Queen Elizabeth II went up very, very much. And Carnival noticed this, and that's when the decision was, well, if we buy Cunard, we could build a new ship and we could continue bringing passengers across the Atlantic. In reality, Queen Mary II only exists because of the film The Titanic. And of course, the film of The Titanic only exists because of the real Titanic. So that's the connection between Titanic and Queen Mary II. So Titanic in 1912 was considered a luxury liner. How did the luxury of Titanic compare to the Queen Mary II? Or how did Queen Mary II, like, you know, out luxury the Titanic? Well, the, the, the ships, obviously, there's um, over 100 years or, or nearabouts between the two ships. And a lot of advancements have taken place since then. But nonetheless, Titanic, certainly in first and second class, was a very comfortable ship. Third class, perhaps not so much, but for the standards at the time, even in third class, Titanic was a very high standard. But let's look at some of the, the things that we do differently today on Queen Mary too. For one thing, every passenger and every crew cabin on Queen Mary too has its own private toilet and bathroom. Major improvement. Absolutely. On the Titanic, very, very few of the cabins had a bathroom and toilet. Most of the passengers had to go down the hallway to a communal bathroom. So that's a big difference. Another thing is that we now have air conditioning. So the temperature and the quality of the air on board the ship is so much better than it was because on Titanic's day, it was basically just fans moving the cold air from outside in, into the ship. Now we have um, full air conditioning. And of course, Titanic didn't have any televisions on board. There was no Wi-Fi. Nobody had even thought of mobile phones because very, very few ordinary telephones were even on board Titanic. There was just one or two cabins in the first class that would have them. But most of the ship had no telephones and messages had to be taken around the ship by the crew. But um, for the period, Titanic was very luxurious. But as I say, we, we've um, made so many advances and people expect so much more today. But that, that's why a ship like Queen Mary II uh, 
is so much more luxurious than Titanic. So, Stephen, did the Queen Mary suffer any problems crossing the Atlantic? No, she's always crossed the Atlantic without major problem. Um, I would like to tell you a story of a crossing I did from Southampton to New York in 2008. And we were very late sailing from Southampton because there are a lot of American passengers flying into the UK to join the ship and their flights were delayed because of the bad weather. So we had to go faster than we normally would across the Atlantic to reach New York on time. And it was fine when we set off from Southampton, but as we reached mid-Atlantic, out of nowhere, a huge storm was created. Oh boy. And the storm was so big that we couldn't maneuver out of it. So we had to go through the storm. And it was a false 12, which is the highest category of storm we had 10 15 meter high seas the wind outside the ship was nearly 150 miles per hour so really really strong hurricane force winds and the queen mary 2 was the only ship that was able to cross the atlantic and she was going through that huge storm traveling at 24 knots about 25, 26 miles per hour. And I must admit, I was very, very proud to be on board because so many of the passengers were really scared. But I said, just wait and see what this ship can do. And after a short time, everybody realized that the ship was quite safe. And we got through the storm and we reached New York on time. I mean, I wouldn't blame them being scared of a boat capsizing. That's it. That's it. Well, no, we didn't. And the restaurants were all open and the entertainment in the lounges was, was still working. So um, Queen Mary 2 is designed to cross the Atlantic in rough weather and to be very safe. And that is why she is such a big ship and why she is the shape she is. And as I say, she was specially designed for that very, very bad weather. Is there any other stories that you can tell us? Well, I I would have really have liked the funnel to have been higher and the mast, because the Queen Elizabeth II, the previous Cunard ship, had a very, very tall funnel that looked very good on the ship. But the big problem is there's a bridge at the entrance to New York Harbour called the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. And I had to build my ship, obviously, to get under that bridge. And so there's about three meters clearance. It's the Americans still use feet. And so it's nine feet clearance. So that is why the height of the funnel on Queen Mary 2 is the height so that we can get under the bridge. And somebody said to me, what would have happened if you got the calculations wrong and the funnel was too big to get under the bridge? So what do you think I said? Uh, this is what I think would happen. Boat. Bridge. 
squeak, crash. Uh, we have to pay for your new bridge now. <laughs> probably, probably. Now, I said it would only be a problem the first time. But um, no, we absolutely, she's been designed with the right height. And I've been on board when it, it looks very, very close, but we've done it every time without any problems. So would you happen to know if the sea rising or lowering would affect, uh, you know, the clearance for the funnel? Well, certainly global warming. If the ice melts up um, at the poles and too much water goes into the sea, then, yeah, the clearance would get less and less. Although that process is happening relatively slowly. So it would be quite a few years or many years before it became a big problem. Now, Queen Mary II is 20 years old now, so she's about halfway through her life. And so certainly within 20 years, I wouldn't expect the sea level to have risen so much that we can't get under the bridge anymore. If we did, then we would have to take um, the top off of the funnel. So, final question. Do you have any words for kids listening to this podcast? Well, the, the message I would say to young people listening to this podcast is that I had a dream when I was five years old, and that dream was to build a ship that would be bigger and better than the Queen Elizabeth that was built in 1940. So I was five years old when I did that, and I worked hard at school and then at university to get my qualifications to become a naval architect. And I was very lucky that I joined Carnival Cruise Lines, Carnival Corporation, and that when they bought Cunard, I was given the job of designing the Queen Mary too. So what I'd say to everybody is that have a dream. And if you work hard at that dream, almost every time you can achieve that dream, but you really do need to work hard and you need to keep at it. And if you work hard, you can achieve almost anything in life. If I can do it, then anybody can do it. Besides, you got knighthooded. Well, it's not. It's not quite knighthood, but OBE is is, um, is good. It's nice to have. <laughs> that is very inspirational. Thank you very much. And we are out of questions already. Okay. Good luck with everything. Thank you, Stephen. Well, stick around for the next episode of the show about Titanic. This is the ending, for now at least, until the next episode comes out, of course. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show about Titanic wherever you listen to podcasts. See you on the next episode. Farewell. <laughs>